Hey guys, welcome to The Great Entrepreneur. Today we have a great guest for you. We're going to be talking about branding your business. You don't want to miss this episode, so stay tuned. Coming to you from San Antonio, Texas. Welcome to The Creative Entrepreneur, a podcast created to help entrepreneurs build their business. Branding, marketing, analytics, positioning, and lead generation. Plus, interviews with other business owners to learn from their successes and failures. Now, here is your host, Abel Garza. Hey guys, welcome back to The Creative Entrepreneur. We have a great guest for you today. He is the owner of Bullhorn Creative, and he came out with a new book today called The Naming Book. Please help me welcome Brad Flowers. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks. Hey, man. I'm glad to have you on the show today. We get to talk about a really cool subject, branding. So give me a little bit of information about who you are, what you do, and and how you help your customers. Sure. Uh, So I'm Brad Flowers. I started Bullhorn Creative in 2008 with a partner and we've grown over the last 12 years. And I think a lot of times the way we talk about our growth is we've, we're kind of constantly seeking that intersection of what we're good at, what we can do profitably and what benefits our community. And if we can get something that really hits on all three of those, we feel like we're in, uh, in good space. And um, right now we talk about our work as building confident brands with language and design. So the reason I wanted you on the show today is because I wanted to talk about an article that you wrote in entrepreneur.com and it's called uh, seven ways to make your new business name unforgettable. So give me some, some, give me an understanding of how this works. Give me some, some rules that, uh, that you follow that make the business name unforgettable. Well, coming up with a name in general, I think is, is hard. So we started kind of naming businesses partly by accident. Someone asked us to do it and we said, sure, we gave it a shot. We, you know, kind of built momentum. Uh, my background happens to be in language. I'm a writer and have a degree in English literature. Oh, nice. So, Basically, long story short, we we named companies, we did it kind of intuitively, which was cool and exciting and also a little terrifying. So we felt a real like need to build some process around it. And as I looked for resources in uh, the landscape, I really couldn't find much. And so I, I realized there was a gap. And so I went to document our process in a way, because I figured if if I needed it and if I couldn't find a good resource, there are probably a lot of other entrepreneurs who had the same problem. So there's a pain in the market for, for people naming their business and, and being, being successful with that. Yeah, I think so. Um, our, uh, the, the book kind of started from the observation of two things to get back to the, to answering how to make it memorable. I think there are a couple other things. First, the, the two hard things, one is defining your criteria that makes it successful. Oh, it's hard to, to know what makes a good name and what makes a bad name. And then the second is generating lots of ideas to, to put against your criteria. Mm-hmm. And so the memorability part is, is one aspect of the, the, um, the criteria. So the, the question is how you want your name to be memorable. Generally, most people do at least. And the yeah. question is what tactics do you want to take? So there are some tactics like rhyming, for example, is a tactic that is memorable, but also can sometimes be terrible. And so it's like, what's, what's the balance. And so it's, it's really deciding what's going to be best for your business and what's going to meet your business goals. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I've heard that before. And I think uh, in your article, you wrote about it too. So, yeah. So, yeah, the article, the article talks about a couple of different things you can take into account. So if like one familiarity is always going to beat out everything in terms of memorability. And that's really the whole point of advertising is is that you want to increase familiarity but Mm -hmm. there are some aesthetic things that you can do um or linguistic tricks i guess to bring some some increased memorability so these are these are seven items from um, academic research these aren't things that i made up so things like rhyme helps with recall and if you think of rhyming brand names you can think of like Reese's pieces etc um (laughs) And, and those those sorts of names. Uh, in addition, uh, unusual spellings can sometimes be more memorable. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and there are other reasons why you might choose an unusual spelling, which gets to your criteria. Like maybe you need something, maybe you need a, a short URL or something. Oh, yeah. That might also. That's increase. good for that's for good for for SEO, too. Also, and for, for yeah, people remembering, that's obviously, yeah, that's a good that's a good way to do it. Tell me a little bit about the book that just came out. The yeah, naming book. So the book, it's it's really most of it is and it kind of um, it gives you a little bit of background on on how the book is going to work. And then it goes through a few case studies. And most of it is really dedicated to helping you, the entrepreneur, get to a great name. And mm-hmm. so the first, it's, it's set out in five steps. The first step is defining your criteria. And we've talked a little bit about that already. Yeah. The next three steps are all oriented towards generating lots of ideas. The whole problem is, I think, mainly because of how our education system works, we're really taught from the earliest age to converge on one idea when we're asked a question. And naming just doesn't work that way, unfortunately. Uh, It's really an exercise in divergence. And so you're trying to think as broadly as possible and have as many different sort of ideas as possible. Um, And so we devote three full steps to figuring out how to do that. There's a, a, the first of those three has to do with uh, brainstorming exercises, tricks, how to actually get going and generate lists of words, which again, most people find difficult because Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to look or sound stupid. And so these kind of help you get over that fear of, of looking or sounding stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, from those, we have some tricks for how to take those lists of words and actually create names out of them. So we look at what kind of names exist in the world and how can you start to create names in those categories that you may not think of. So there are lots of, you know, we initially, I probably mostly think of real, real word names like Apple, Patagonia, um, etc. Mm-hmm. But we can also, you can think of, if you think more broadly, there's foreign language words, there's obscure words, misspelled words, um, compounds like Facebook, words that are modified like Shopify, uh, c- combination words like Pinterest, where you take two words and, and you kind of smush them together. And so thinking in those different categories, we can start to assemble a range of names so that all of your names don't sound, ex- ex- all of your name options don't sound the same. Oh, that's interesting. And then the last, the last of those steps really is a few kind of research ideas to get at. So the, like, the first two steps are aimed at kind of getting what's in your head out. The last step is, okay, so there's a lot that you don't know. And what are some things, what are some good sources for potential uh, brand names? You know, Absolutely. Like, I recently read the, docu- the um, book about Phil Knight and how he named the company Nike. Well, he didn't know the word Nike. He didn't know that that was the goddess of victory. 
that's someone mentioned that to him and it also ends up ended up being a, a good name for their company. <laughs> that's outstanding. That's a great, that's a great story. Yeah. Uh, so some of the case studies that you have on in your book, what are some examples of, of some of the case studies that you worked with? So one of my big things and maybe what se- separates me from some other people is most of the book is not about what I prefer. Mm-hmm. So what I found is in the naming, in the literature around naming, there tend to be two trends. People either write about the history or the story, the backstory of names, which is pretty interesting, but doesn't really help you generate a name. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is they'll tell you their preferences of what they think make a good name or what they like. And so I think I go through a lot uh, of pains to say, like, ultimately, it doesn't at all matter what I like. It matters what works for your business. Uh, your name is a tool to give you a business advantage. It isn't something that some person who thinks about words a lot should like. So uh, a case study I used to illustrate that point, there's a frozen foods company. Uh, the company, the name is spelled E-V-O-L. And I talk about it because like, if you look at it, if you look at the name in the, so they make frozen burritos is one thing, for example. Mm-hmm. So I was looking for something to send to lunch with my kids. I'm looking through the frozen food section and this name kind of stands off the shelf and it's strange in a couple of ways. One, the E is in their logos is rendered backwards. And so it makes you want to read the word backwards. So backwards, it looks like love. And so you think, oh, I see they're wanted to be love. But then when you read it forwards, it kind of looks like evil. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, so is it evil? And then you think about it a little longer. You're like, well, maybe they mean evolve, kind of like evolve. Mm-hmm. So basically it's like, really confusing. And oh, wow. I, I, I don't, I'm not sure what they're trying to do. Um, but I think the point is ultimately it caused me to stop for long enough to look at it, think, Oh, this is like a reasonably priced thing. It seems like it'd be good for my kids. I'll probably eat it. Yeah. I'm going to buy some Almost so, tattooed to you your know, brain there. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so even though it's a name that personally I don't like, uh, it doesn't matter. I still bought the product. That's amazing. That's great. What are some of the challenges? Well, you know, actually, before I get into that, uh, I wanted to ask if you go into the legalities of this. Like, do you go into trademarking or do you look at some of the things that you need to do prior to, you know, making your brand or your name official? Yeah, I go into it a little bit, although there is a major caveat that I am not an attorney. Um, <laughs> so I talk about that partly in your criteria, because if you intend to trademark the name, there are some, it, it gets a little more complicated there. And again, it depends on what you're trying to do. If true, you were, true. if you're, for, if, for example, if you're providing a service in a specific geographic region, your competition is going to be way smaller than if you're selling something online where your competition is kind of global. Yeah, so absolutely. thinking about your competition is a good way to think about, do I need to trademark? What should be some of the concerns? And so I basically, I kind of go as far as saying, here are some steps. You should come up with some names with your short list. You should look at the secretary of state where you are going to register to make sure there's not a direct competition. You should do some industry research to make sure there's not something that would be directly confusing. And importantly, and also you should do general search to make sure it's not something else that you hadn't heard of that's prominent and predominantly negative. No, uh, I oh, give true. An, exam- an example in the book of we were naming a nonprofit incubator and I thought I had the greatest name. I really liked it. Uh, 
it, it like worked on all the levels and mm -hmm. I, I did some quick research. There wasn't anything like in the area. And then I did a broader search and it turned out it was a really prominent pornography website. Mm -hmm. And it's just like one of those things. It's like, as much as I like it, some things are just hard to overcome. <laughs> That's so it's amazing. To look what's out there. And then uh, also lastly, the resource of uh, the patent office, the trademark office, USPTO.gov mm -hmm. is a good resource. And you can do some quick searches just to get a good idea. If you, if you have a name idea and you look there and it's okay, there are only like three things and two of them are dead and one's live. Or if they're 800 things you know you might have some concern and so i don't go so far as how to trademark but just to give you a sense of if it's likely to be trademarkable or not yeah. that's interesting that you brought up the negativity part of it though because i think uh, a lot of people don't think about that you know as right. far as bringing up your even if it's coming close to that other negative company you know, or the company that would bring on some negativity, uh, even if it sounds the same, you know, uh, or if it's spelled somewhat similar or you're, you're, you have a name that's in the middle and then it brings up all these other, uh, names of that other company. That's interesting that you brought that up. Cause you know what, I, I, I've been told that before, but I hadn't really thought about it until now again, you know, and it's funny that, um, uh, if you're going to build your name and especially, I think if you're going to make money off of it, like if your intent yeah. is to make money, then you definitely need to consider trademarking your, your name of yep. whatever it is that you're going to do, whether it's a podcast or a website or whatever, and then definitely look into whether or not there's some negative things out there. I mean, I just had a, you know what, when I came up with the, a couple of my names, I didn't, uh, I didn't even think about that. You know, I, even though that's something that you should really consider. Um, and it takes so much time to just even name something. It's just, it's, it's crazy because you're, you know, you're brainstorming, you're trying to find out what's a good name, what's a good keyword, you know, what's a, what's a good website, what's going to be uh, easy to remember. All these things come to mind when you're naming, but the, the bad thing, uh, you know, I just, I didn't think about that. That's crazy. What are some of the challenges that you see some of your customers face when they're trying to name uh, their business? Well, the perspective switches a little because we, so I, I, I've written the book because I think entrepreneurs who can't afford to pay somebody should still have access to the same process and should be able to develop great names um, for uh, the people who pay us. So, so they've thought about it and for whatever reason decided that it's either time prohibitive or it's just difficult. And so some of their issues, I, th I kind of think the hardest thing probably is to name an organization. You have to really be intimately aware of not just how their business works, but you really have to understand their culture to get a name right. And in a lot of cases for us, we're doing, uh, renames. So these are businesses that have been successful for 20 or 30 years. And a lot of times there's a change of leadership or a change in strategic focus. And so they decide that a name change is important. And so in that case, like getting something that's culturally right is probably as important as anything else. And that's another one of those things that, like you mentioned with the competition, it's like you wouldn't necessarily think about the cultural aspect of a name, but for people to be excited about it and say it, is probably as important as anything else because really a name is about confidence. And if you have a name that you like that you can really um, speak with confidently, that's, 
that's pretty good. Yeah, it's amazing. So right now you're in Kentucky, you're working on branding, you you have customers that, that come to you. So how are you advertising? How are you getting customers in the door? What kind of leads are you are you generating? So most of our business development historically has been uh, really word of mouth. So we started off in, well, we started off in 2008. So it was a, a, another really difficult time to start a company. Um, and, you know, you kind of start off with doing, I, I heard someone say the other day, you companies who, like this start off by saying yes to everything. And then they take the next step by starting to say no to a lot of things. Yeah. And so we went through the phase to where we said yes to everything. Um, we, we did all kinds of stuff. Um, and I think it's kind of simple, but just starting off with friends and family, moving on to, um, referral business from that, from the work. And now it's, um, we do uh, primarily, we generate content on the site. We push it out via social media. Uh, we enter some award shows. Um, but for us, most of our customers already know they want to do a branding project. It's a question. So it's not really about persuasion for us. It's more about determining fit. And so they can usually tell pretty quickly if the work is going to be good enough. So for us, when, when companies come to us, they generally know they're going to do a branding project. It's, we're not really trying to persuade them to do it. And it's about determining the fit and they've already seen our work. Uh, so we spend a lot of time making sure that we show our work in the best light possible. And then the kind of the final step in the sales process is just, is it going to work culturally? Do the two companies have cultural alignment? Because like I said, you know, they're going to tell us some pretty intimate information about their business and trust us to help them put their best foot forward. Uh, we really think the work we do gives organizations an advantage in their marketplace. Mm -hmm. And um, in order to do that, we have to know a lot. So it's, it's really kind of deciding if it's a, a good fit or not. That's, that's interesting. I'm curious to know when you talk about saying yes to everything, does that mean that you were taking on a bunch of jobs that you maybe not were, you were not as qualified and you just, went ahead and did it or did you become an expert in one area and then start delving into that one particular niche? We did. Uh, we started off with no expertise and no business. So we did everything anyone would ask us to do, um, whether we knew about it or not. Uh, it's including a friend of ours called up. She ran this large event and she said, Hey, our uh, bar vendor backed out. I don't know what Bullhorn does, but can you guys sell beer? And so we said, yeah, sure. So we figured out how to sell beer. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you're broke, you're broke. Saying no is a luxury. That is awesome. I love it. <laughs> every, every business book in the world says, you know, uh, focus, focus, say no. But you know, if you don't have any money, you don't have any money. Oh, wow. That's, that's a great story. What are some of the habits that you feel contribute to your success right now? Like, you know, you started out, you, I mean, it's, you've been doing it for a good amount of time now. Yeah. So on your, in your daily activities, what do you feel that you're doing on a regular basis that, that contribute to your success? That's a great question. Uh, I think most recently we've gone to, there's a book that I'm sure you've heard people talk about called Traction. And we looked at that and I think for agencies like ours, it's especially good. It's a way to kind of focus on quarter by quarter. And uh, we've used it to br really bring the whole team along. And so I think thinking about how, what kind of meetings you're having and how to make them really effective and galvanizing is important. And more recently, we've been over the last two years, really, we've been thinking about how to 
effectively collaborate in a remote setting. And so I think that's been a challenge. And as we've opened an additional office and we have remote workers, um, so thinking about uh, collaboration and I think the, maybe the, the best thing is kind of just like checking in with people mm-hmm. again. Like I think the best advice is the dumbest advice. It's like check in with people, be nice. Uh, if you screw something up, apologize, show up on time. <laughs> you know, those are like, like if it comes at the end of the day, those are the things that make us successful. Not like any brilliant tactical move. That makes a great marriage too. <laughs> right. That's probably true. Um, yeah. So, you know, we, we all have our habits and those habits contribute to our daily successes and, and yeah. it's, it's, uh, each individual is, is, or each company is different. Are you working alone or are you, I mean, I knew you said you have people that you're working with, with regard to freelancers, but, mm-hmm. um, do you have anybody other than your partner that you you have on board as a, um, as a team yeah, member, there, there are uh, 15 of us on staff that, that work full time, man. So across, across three cities. So you've been um, scaling s- since what year? How long, how long is it? We've been doing it a little over 10 years. So you've been scaling for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what do you look for? What is your strategy in building your team? Well, I found that over time it's changed a little. The people early on, could do a little bit of everything because we were doing a little bit of everything. And as we've focused, we've definitely needed to find people who had more specific talents. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and so I think thinking about your stage of business er, early on, that person who can do a little bit of everything can be kind of invaluable. Someone who can write some copy, do some design, maybe do a little bit of coding. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that can be super, super helpful. But over time, it needs to become a little more specialized. And then I think also thinking about who getting the right people to um, manage projects and manage relationships. And that's, that's been a thing that we've not always done the best at, but are continuing to think more about having continuity there is so important uh, that, you know, you could do the best work in the world, but if the relationship isn't set up to accept the work, it's going to fall flat every single time. And so that's, that's something I've been thinking more and more about. That makes sense. What is your expertise in and what is your role in this? Me individually? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. I, so, you know, I, it's one of the things I like about it is I still get to do a lot of stuff. So I still like to go to pitches and, you know, pitch business and say, Hey, Mm -hmm. this is what I think we, why we'd be a good fit. Uh, I still lead naming projects and I do a little bit of writing for Bullhorn internally and externally. Um, But a lot of my time really is spent managing the business, uh, making sure we're doing the right sort of things, making sure we're prioritizing the right things. So I spend, I spend my time kind of shifting focus on just the thing that needs the most attention at that time. At one time it could be relationships. It could be, it could be internal morale. It could be business development. It could be finding a good group of like outsourced developers. So it's, it's kind of like really making sure everything is kind of on the biggest picture working. Yeah. On a larger scale. That's good. That's good. Yeah. That's kind of where I was wanting to find out. I didn't know if you had something specific that you were working with and you're like, no, I'm going to be doing just the, you know, (laughs) this particular part. And then I'll hire people around this project, you know? Yeah, no, I, I ultimately want to be running the business and 
managing the business and help and helping the people uh, who work with me execute on the projects as well as possible. Uh, we usually like to end the podcast with some words of wisdom, some rules that you live by. Do you have something like that? Yeah, I do. Um, I think the, the most important thing to me, or uh, there are a lot of things, but if, if I specific to what I think have helped me out and given me advantage in businesses <laughs> is read good books and read really broadly. And I think specifically read literature. Mm. A lot of business people really focus on uh, the stuff that's going to make you a better leader, a better manager, or et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Not to discard that. I read that all the time too. Yeah. But I think it's important. It's essential to read good uh, literature. It's what makes us empathetic human beings who can understand and put ourselves in other people's positions, which as a leader, if you can't do that, uh, you won't be uh, leading for very long. And um, so from there, I guess like listening carefully would probably be a second thing that I've, I would say, because I have to remind myself all the time because I'm not very good at it. Um, but, you know, with having kids uh, that they kind of like really brings a lot of your baggage and issues to life. And so I noticed some of those things. Yeah. And then maybe lastly, um, you know, it's, we've had a little bit of stress. And so I think um, just remembering to breathe, there's a guy, there's this guy named Wim Hof who I was reading about not too long ago. And he has these, this breathing technique that I don't, I, I'm, you can read more about him online, but mm -hmm. he, um, he's done everything from these ice baths to like running up Everest and just running shorts to marathons. A anyway, the power of breathing, I think is powerful. And, um, when things feel stressful, just taking time to make sure your, your breathing is, makes a great deal of difference. Absolutely. man. great, great advice, great words of wisdom. Uh, how can our listeners get a hold of you? Well, they can, e they can email me directly at brad at bullhorncreative.com. They can read about our work at bullhorncreative.com. Uh, our case studies are there. There's some of our thinking on the blog. And if you're interested in learning more about the book, it's at thenamingbook.com. And there are links there that take you out to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere else you might want to buy the book. Awesome. Well, there you go, guys. Brad Flowers, it was amazing having you on the show today. You know, be sure and pick up his book. All his information is going to be in the show notes. So you guys go ahead and check that out. It was a pleasure having you on the show. You're an inspiration to me and our listeners. And I'm really excited and really happy to have had you on the show today. Thank you so much. It's great. Thank you so much. Well, guys, if you haven't uh, subscribed, please subscribe. Check out our website at thecreativeentrepreneur.net. And until next week, keep on keeping on. Thank you for listening to The Creative Entrepreneur. Please click the show notes for additional information. Want to know more? Click on the subscribe button and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by visiting us at tcepodcast.net.